Briggs. It's your old pal, the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> this is Joe Bob Briggs. This is Jeffrey Combs. Hey, this is Scotty from Anthrax. Hi, you're listening to Adrienne Barbeau. Hi, this is Doc Bradley. You're listening to Quality Time. You're listening to Quality Time. Quality Time Broadcast. And you're listening to Quality Time. Quality Time Podcast. I'm saying this under duress. You better keep listening or I will tear your soul apart. And welcome to Quality Time, everyone. We're back Ooh. once again. I'm your host, Eric Woodworth, and I'm joined by my, my two lovely co-hosts. Uh, first, my blood, my brother, uh, Jeremy P. Woodworth. How are you, sir? Oh, you're too good, about. Oh, I'm sorry. Who's joining us on the program? It's me, Glenn Danzig. Oh my god, Glenn Danzig! Oh, look at this fucking... You have so much black psoriasis since the end of the band. I was so interested in this movie, I wanted to give him two cents. Oh, you know, okay. okay. You know, if you ever come to my show, you, uh, you'll hear my show end with Mother. Then I do Twist to Cane, and then I do Mother two more times as an encore. <laughs> it's just all Mother, mother uh, like one after another, like, play Mother again! Woo! I don't play any misfits because I'm over that band. Oh yeah, nobody would. Who would want to hear the good ones? Uh, and uh, also, when I'm backstage, I get punched out by a New York guy. That was awesome when you when Glenn Danzig got knocked the fuck out because he goes, "You know who the fuck I am," and he just gets fucking slobber knocked by like a uh, ex pro linebacker. Uh, it's so good. Uh, but speaking of the the good people of this world, I'm joined by my other host, the with the most, the very lovely, the very talented Miss Ashley Pontias. How are you? I'm not Ashley. Oh, God! Is it? Oh, my God. It's Beverly Danzig. <laughs> no, I'm also Glenn Danzig because I ain't no son of a bitch. <laughs> I know you ain't no son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't worth it. Jeremy's is always funnier, but I'm like, I'm just going to go for it. I know. Well, welcome you both. By the way, way, I just made a new album. It's called Golden Corral with extra. (laughs) Golden Corral by Danzig. With extra evil on top. You ever call? He's like, this prime ribs cut straight from Satan's belly. Uh, <laughs> my favorite picture is there's been a picture floating around the internet for years of Glenn leaving a grocery store carrying cat litter and it just I just want it framed in my house. Hey, can I throw this out here looking at pictures of Glenn uh Danzig nowadays and and I'm thinking maybe we could do a fun um 
like uh, like a trivia game where I flash an image and you have to guess in 2022 is this Glenn Danzig or is it Sigourney Weaver? Um, because it's hard. I'm telling you, when you look at them side by side, they're slowly morphing into the same androgynous person in their later years. And I kind of, I kind of love it. Like, would I? Would you go see uh, Danzig with fronted by Sigourney Weaver? Yes, I would. I am the key master, and I'm in for it. Honestly, Eric, I didn't want to tell you this, but my nickname for you is Glenn, <laughs> Glenn Dansbig. <laughs> I'm like, look, they both, they both, I can't tell what their sex is. They creep people out. It's it just, works. I'm sorry. <laughs> my uh, character is uh, Tony Danzig. Tony from- Danzig. <laughs> 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 who's, who's the boss baby all right <laughs> this is the show that we do it's it's slightly it's 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 cats in a room with nip and there's not enough real estate for us i'm sorry i couldn't make it here from our my favorite movie that you ever reviewed and that was uh halloween three which i prefer to call Sawin. Sawin. Okay. I do love Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, which uh, uh, brings us to uh, tonight's movie we'll get to soon enough. Uh, uh, but I do have a little quick little tidbit about the life of Eric Woodworth. Now, uh, not a lot of shows this week had one uh, at the DC Improv. They did not like me, but the show went well. Now... Moving past that and moving on, since I'm on what's called a bombing streak currently, where I don't do well on stage, I don't know why, but the funk will be broken soon enough. Uh, I have, um, I went over to the great Tommy Simbazo's house yesterday, friend of the show, and my Laugh Finder compatriot. Um, I was helping him out do the trim in his house or whatever, and uh, we had to stop because he had to go be on the Happy Hour podcast. Which so shout outs to the Happy Hour podcast, and uh, definitely check out this episode I'm mentioning. Uh, if it's up, you probably have to go back about a week or two. But we had so I sat in with Tommy, and it, they had adult film star uh, Crystal Rush, who uh, is a actual Russian native, and. A couple things about this. Um, obviously, we know about the the giant uh, war that's going on between the Ukraine and Russia. Let's just say Tommy Simbazo is a goddamn savage. So one one of the things he drops early on in the podcast is he goes, he was just like they're talking about turn ons, and he goes, he's like, you know what my turn on is invading a sovereign country, and I almost shit. My- laughing. Her, her face of like, huh? Like this. <laughs> and then uh, later, later in the same show, uh, you know, we're doing fucking, it, it's just a fun hoot of a time because me and Tommy are about four Miller highlights deep after a day of working and just, we, we kind of took over the show just for a brief portion. Uh, Tommy at one time, was uh we, we had to watch Ray pulled up a video of like have you seen that guy on TikTok and online he's like a lumberjack with like a bunch of tattoos but he looks like a guy that would definitely like yes. you know what he looks yeah so you're familiar with the yeah. guy so I go 
I go, she's, she, she, he goes, now, uh, Crystal, what do you think of this fellow right here chopping wood? And uh, I go, I was just like, I put on my, my Boris Russian accent. I go, I was like, what? He has, he has, he's using X? What is this? He's like how babies cut wood. Like that. I was like, she's not even impressed by that. And then Tommy goes, she's like, yes, he cuts like Ukrainian. <laughs> just, <laughs> her face of disapproval was all I needed. Uh, but she was actually really, really sweet. I did. Uh, I did enjoy it. So check out that uh, that podcast. I had. I I asked tough, deep questions. Like you know how like Ashley, we're we're comics, right? And you're familiar with the hang, right? That's where you kind of hang out, shoot the shit after the show, right? It's a fun camaraderie thing. And she had brought up that she was in a gangbang on film. And I asked. I was like, hey, you know we comics we have the hang do you guys like after a scene like that do you go to a tgi fridays and talk about like man what a rough day we had over like chicken tenders and stuff she's like oh yes but we don't usually talk about work i was like yeah it's like it's gotta be hard because like you literally get to say is like god the boss was pounding my ass literally all day today no work talk please so oh my god she's not wrong because when i used to do things like that um i would hate afterwards where i'm like cleaning up my pussy and i'm wiping myself down and a man walks up to me and he's like hey do you have a tight 10 and i'm like you know i do <laughs> so so check out the happy hour pod there's good stuff yes jeremy i always thought a good gangbang ended with some uh fetal position after shooting up as much heroin as possible that is true that's how i do it that's why well, when you- prison so <laughs> well, when you love what you do, it's like you never work a day in your life. Like, what another day? It's not like a <laughs> what another. Uh, oh, by the by the way, should we should we talk about our our uh, a, a big time rock and roller uh, drummer dying this week? Yeah, the- I think we could bring that up. Uh, who is it? Uh, Taylor uh, from the, the from the, the drummer from the Foo Fighters, who everybody yeah. pretends they knew who he was. Because um, that's what happens when people die. I feel like, first of all, I've never heard that guy mentioned by anybody. I was like, I love that guy. But the second he's dead, he's like, oh, he was the he was the best. He changed my life, as a matter of fact. I didn't even know that he was Grohl's brother. Oh, I didn't know that either. So he he's a Grohl? I don't think so. Obviously not the same name. I don't know. Maybe Grohl is a fake name, like uh, Gruel or something. Yeah, they changed it at Easter Island, but he kept the maiden name. Kind of like Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen. Yeah, the Estevez is the real name and Sheen is fake. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. Um, Were you really, were you heartbroken about the loss, Jeremy? Uh, No, but I I do. I really do want to see Studio Six Six Six, where they uh, they make their album in a haunted house, and uh, it, 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 hilarity ensues. Yeah, that what what a, yeah, what a crazy marketing ploy to actually just die uh, before it comes out. That's a that's a strong that's a power move. Yeah, I got it. It's kind of ironic, like the lead singer of Sublime dying right before their album makes it big. Yeah. You know, I was having this conversation um, with uh, with a friend of mine, but like, have you guys, if you could bring back one musician back to life, who would it be? Tom Petty. Oh, Tom Petty. Now, why? Why yeah. Why Tom Petty? I'm a big Tom Petty fan. I had been trying to score tickets to see him right before he died, but he's one of my favorites. I love him. He's a great oh. songwriter. Uh, I grew up not only learning so many Van Halen songs on guitar, 
that my heart still goes out to uh, Eddie Van Halen being dead only a year. And uh, to, to learn the fact that he was cremated, I actually wrote a screenplay in my head about a guy that runs the crematorium and like cuts his hands off just to, to, to savor the golden hands. No, you don't, you don't burn the Hope Diamonds. You don't destroy the Hope. These hands have played better guitar than anybody in all of history. No, no, I'm going to save them. And and then he gets arrested and has to explain to Valerie Bertinelli why he saved the hands. So wait, are you saying he should do the same thing with his hands that I did with the Hope Diamond, which is shove it up my asshole? <laughs> It's a much better ending to the Titanic. (laughs) Fuck yeah. This diamond up my cooch ever since 1912. Yeah, just pulls it out. It sounds like the the mother alien, the queen alien, like popping out an egg. Like... Well, so I bring it almost up without realizing I'm doing it on purpose because I did a show Thursday... And there was a comedian on the lineup that I don't really work with very much. And I, I feel terrible. I didn't remember off the top of my head us meeting or anything. And he goes, oh, we've met before. And I go, we have. I'm so sorry. And he goes, yeah, because the first time I met you, you told me you shoved a hockey puck up your asshole. <laughs> and I was like, that was me. <laughs> I, I right, will say, me. Ashley, you are the master of first impressions. Let me tell you. This is... <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. you. Some people leave a business card. No, Ashley talks about foreign objects that have been stuck up in her, uh, and you don't forget that. You know, it's so good. Damn it! What's going on with Titanic, man? <laughs> It felt good because I was like, you could have just, you know, a man could just make anything up to get your attention to say that, like, you met before. Be like, we did that show together or like we matched on Bumble. But like any man can say that. But this man is like, you shoved a signed Flyers hockey pup up your asshole and it didn't fit. And then you had to go to the emergency room. I'm like, that was me. Hey, you miss 100% of the shots. You don't fire directly into Ashley's pussy. Uh Wayne Gretzky. I, I call my butt. I call my butthole gritty. Hey, this is uh, Glenn Danzig again. I just want to say, if uh, Sigourney Weaver was a man, I'd totally have sex with her. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! By the way, if you've never seen Glenn Danzig talk about his library and his books, he's like, "Yeah, this book was supposedly inked by Satan," and it's like the—it's one of the cringiest videos you could ever watch. Now, I, back to our original question, right? Which was which one musical person? So Jeremy got Eddie Van Halen. You got Tom Petty. Both great. I've actually seen—I was lucky enough to see both of them live while they were Fuck living, you. which was nice. Hey, well, technically, Tom Petty. Uh, this was a—I saw Tom Petty for free because uh, I had an access to Meriwether post pavilion at the time and um i took so many percocets that i passed out and uh rolled around in the mud after about six songs and woke up locked myself i had the wherewithal to lock myself in the car so i woke up at 4 a.m covered from head to toe in mud first of all it's not a moshing concert i just didn't i must have just like i need to leave and like you know like the scene from wolf of wall street where he's on the quaaludes that looks as like the method of transportation i took out of Meriwether to get to my God. car. 
it feels so good to know that I didn't ever get to see one of my heroes, but I'm glad you did. Hey, so that's great. The first six songs were rocking, though. Uh, and I did get to see Eddie Van Halen with uh, with David Lee Roth as an old, uh, the old people uh, up at, uh, uh, what was it, Jiffy Lube Live a couple, like four or five years ago. So now those are both great picks. Don't get me wrong. But my pick, okay, my pick, I wanted to bring back somebody who maybe did had more potential. Because I didn't think, first of all, I wasn't listening to new Tom Petty tracks in, in when he died. I was like, I was not excited. I was like, okay, Tom, relax. We just play the hits. That's all we need. Same thing with Eddie Van Halen. I'm not, I'm not listening to new Van Halen tracks in, in 2020 when he fucking passed, right? So I I would say uh, somebody I would bring back, and this is one of my, probably my favorite grunge band, I'd bring back the old Lane Staley from Alice in Chains because I feel like there's a lot more untapped stuff out of there because he was snuffed out before he got to reach, I think, his highest potential. So that's, that's my pick. You know what? I... I want to add an answer. Okay, go for it. If I could bring back one musical act from the dead, because I have a big heart, it would be your music career. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you might get your wish at the end of 2022. I think I really am trying to resurrect that. I have 18 hot tracks that I'm trying to copyright currently. So uh, we'll see. We'll see at the end of this year. Um, but that's good. Finger. I don't think you really are fingers crossing. I think you're you're <laughs> finger naysaying right now. I think you're finger naysaying. Um, but that's all. You listen. Hey, tomato, tomato. The haters, I brush them off, and I keep making my same shitty music. Don't worry. I, I'm kidding. I love your butt rock. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Ashley, you you had a a bunch of fun shows this week, yeah. I did. Yeah, I've had I've had a lot of great shows. Um, I was at Zen West on Thursday with a great lineup, had a very fun time. Um, Let's see. So then Friday, I did a sort of like a private gig with uh, Tommy Simbazo and our friend uh, Brian Preston and Christian McCartney. Um, But the funny thing for me was when I got up there, I've actually never been in a Moose Lodge. It was for a a moose lunch. And I got up there and I said, you know, hey, look, I've actually never performed in a moose lodge, but I have had a finger or two lost in a moose moose knuckle. So uh, (laughs) there we go. That's very brand for me that's funny because remember we, when we did the movie the lodge i was like oh i think i downloaded the wrong one uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah brian felt super at home <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> i heard it was so tommy told me he didn't know that that moose lodge had been converted to a biker bar apparently and uh yeah. i i apparently i had heard the thing what Tommy told me is that the words were uttered to him and he's like your friend's gonna get killed here I was like Jesus Christ I don't understand the context of that it got real weird so then of course Tommy decides to share this with him as he's walking to the car and Brian's like oh oh god Uh, oh god Uh, death (laughs) Uh, I don't think that was necessary Uh. so so that was fun to watch Uh, but I had a great time and then last night I was at Checkers brought uh brewing in baltimore so i was back in baltimore um had an amazing show absolutely incredible had a line that wanted to meet me which was crazy i've never had that before um so that was very cool uh i did tell chris lawrence sweet chris lawrence i do love chris lawrence i 
I did tell Chris Lawrence that he has the sexual prowess of a labradoodle. <laughs> <laughs> and I just felt better. <laughs> oh, shout outs, Chris Lawrence, friend of the show. Check out the Exorcist 3 episode, which I... Th- and the crow. So he's, he's got an archive with us here. Ladies, look, when Chris is inevitably divorced, which happens to all male comedians at some point, um, he is so perfect. He is hypoallergenic. He's a good family pet. Highly recommend. Very, very sweet and he, personality. And, and this is just, this is from the uh, the Woodworth vault. Uh, he also fucks with his underpants on through the little slit. So shout out to any of those available bachelorettes out there after this. Um, <laughs> Brian Preston still intimidates me because he's so black. Oh, yeah. <laughs> If, you look, if you're a Laugh Fighter listener, that is hilarious. Uh, so, uh, shout outs to all that. Um, Jeremy, what, what's been going on in the life of Jeremy this week? Um, my supervisor is great because he finds ways to demean me in every way possible. Oh, tell me about... Uh, t- so, I, I have a little inside track about one of your Facebook posts that has to do with your job. So, you extracted a splinter from your from a part of your body, yes? From I guess because you work with pallets. Tell us how you got the splinter and what became of it. I assume most wood is uh, pine, and uh, I didn't even feel this thing go into my arm, but it's stuck in, and it's stuck in far, and I guess I got a head off it, but it took two weeks, two weeks as total <laughs> Would remember for this fucker to come out and it got all pussy and infected and uh finally that's weird because you're usually the bill of health <laughs> funny how it mixed with my psoriasis very well so i got pussy and it got disgusting and finally i'm squeezing it just to try to get ahead to get it with the tweezers and it shoots out like a fucking zit and i'm like whoa yes <laughs> Winning, winning like Charlie Sheen. And yeah, yeah, I had to finally put it and take a picture next to a penny to show that it was at least a centimeter long. Yeah, this thing looked like somebody stabbed you with a toothpick and just broke off half of it into your arm. And uh, I I got, first of all, if you go to Jeremy's Facebook page and you scroll through and find this picture of a penny next to this splinter he did, and just the fucking... uh, goo and carnage that is surrounding this field i like that you also just chose the filthiest penny i've ever seen but there's also there's some residue in the corner of like this white globule that looks like that it also came out of you or off of you that i got a message from uh some of the die laughing people that said i can't even look at jeremy's facebook post this is the most disgusting thing i've ever seen and i i i I was like so they alerted me to it i looked at I was like, and then I followed up and you didn't, you didn't deliver. I was like, Jeremy, please do a razor Ramon impersonation where you use the toothpick and put it in your mouth like that. Uh, Like you're uh, cleaning your teeth and flick it at the camera. And I didn't, I wish you had delivered on that. (laughs) Now I'm good. Vomited during the program. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So well, I'm glad you're okay, Jeremy. I know that infectious behavior seems to run in the Woodworth family, so I'm glad you're okay. I like I like this thing that he pulled out of his fucking arm. It could could be used to combat a fucking vampire. I'm not lying to you. This is it's a big chunk of wood. I, no, 
I did see it and it was hard to watch. I asked myself, which is more disgusting, Eric's Nussy or that? Um, and I, I don't know, it was a tie. Is, is, wait a minute, Nussy, are you talking about my neck pussy? Is that what it is, what a Nussy is? No, you do have a Nussy, but remember whenever you had that horrible infection two years ago? Oh, yeah, yeah, your yeah, knee yeah. Or whatever, yeah. Yeah, the, the fat fold behind your oh, knee. Oh, yeah, yeah that hold on, I'm, f- I'm fingering it right now. It's left a recess. It's nice. Stop. It's actually it's actually one of my one of my turn ons. Don't don't touch my knee cavity, otherwise, whoa, things are. It's like it's like is is Mrs. Woodworth like you know it's weird. Eric hasn't been bothering me for sex in a while. Just walks in on you in the bathroom with just lotion, just yeah. going to down. Yeah, I'm a, I'm pinky deep in the fucking cavity that left in my in my leg, like <laughs> uh, just. <laughs> Fucking drip it out like a broken McDonald's ice cream machine. Ugh. Um, <laughs> How about the pictures of my feet? Oh, Jeremy. Okay. So, Ashley, Jeremy sent me pictures of his feet that are the best way to describe them are not to. Um, they're bad. Jeremy, your feet look fucking terrible. Have you ever have you ever gone to one of those uh uh fish places where like they eat the the skin uh, like where they like exfoliate you at all? Have you ever thought about going to one yeah, of those? I should just I should just preference like, hey, look at this cadaver's feet. Yeah. Could you imagine like the fish though just coming out fully formed and like they look like sea bass a couple minutes later after you like stick your feet in there? They're like <laughs> they're fucking hulked out. They can no longer be contained in the small uh enclosure that they have. They become carp as opposed to tiny min- minnows. That is true. <laughs> Shout, shout, shout out Robin Joe Show for the stolen bit I just lifted off of you guys. So anyway, um, the <laughs> so uh, anywho, um, I don't know. Are we ready to get into tonight's film? Okay, I'll take that as a yes because today we are going over uh, the 1989 classic. I'll call it. I'll call it a classic. Warlock. Uh, now. Uh, I don't know if I've ever true or false this before, but I'll I'll pose this to you because Jeremy knows the answer. Uh, Ashley, true or false? Did I have a full-sized Julian Sands Warlock poster in my childhood room until it burned down in the early 2000s? Yes, you did. So, it was a trick question. It's, oh no, because it's the second one. Isn't it, it is. It is. I had a Warlock Two Armageddon one, and it was this really, I, really, really horrible. If you ever seen the cover of Warlock Two, it's just a giant like, and it was like an oversized poster, like movie style poster of just Julian Sands in my room, like who? Well, I do know this because you once tried to tell me about it while also telling me about all the pussy you used his legs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know as much about Warlock. He got the entire Infinity Gauntlet. That is true. <laughs> he did get the all the Infinity Stones in that one. Um, now this. Uh, now just a real little quick side. So we talk about this. Might be be something you guys don't know. Okay. So the greatest remake of a horror film ever. I would think we'd all would agree is probably The Thing, right? The Thing is probably like top tier remake. When you watch the 1950s one to now, huge delta. I think the remake is better. Maybe seconded only by the movie The Fly. Okay. Second seconded by The Fly. You can make that argument too, right? 
Now, Jeremy, Ashley, were you guys familiar that Warlock is also a remake? No. Oh, well, guess what? In 1959, there was another film called Warlock. So this is the second Warlock film. Here, I'm going to play a little bit of the trailer for you right now. These are the men who stake their lives on Warlock's challenge to survive. Richard Widmark as Johnny Gannon, a deputy with a fearful score to settle. Henry Fonda as Clay Blaisdell, dreaded, respected, loved. You can't stay here. Trouble and death follow you. Warlock's had enough of both. But I don't want to leave, deputy. I'll have to come after you in the morning. I'm shooting if you do. And Anthony Quinn as Tom Morgan, the black rattlesnake of Warlock. <laughs> I've killed 45 men, but tonight I'm going to run up the score. There were women in Warlock, too, who used their sex to betray it. Women like Lily, played by Dorothy Malone. You know, all I want's blazed till dead. I'll get it done the one way I know. Lily. For what do you see here? A woman is good for only one thing. Is it so wrong that I use it? And there was Jesse, played by Dolores Michaels. Just wish you had whiskey in that canteen. I'd show you how much of an angel I am. <laughs> there you go. Warlock, 1959. So I'd say this is a solid, solid reboot of uh, a, yeah. a second installment of it. So uh, this, uh, now this film was originally completed in late 1988 and was one of the last films completed by distributor New World Pictures. Uh, and if you're ever an 80s film fan, you've definitely seen New World Pictures come up. Now, uh, they filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy shortly after filming this. The film's trailer was actually shown before the 1989 theatrical releases. Um, instead of going direct to video, Warlock was picked up and released by theaters by Trimark Pictures in 1991. Its box office success led to a subsequent sequel. The poster that hung on Eric Woodworth's virgin walls, uh, Warlock 2 Armageddon, uh, in which Trimark also released theatrically. Now, um, this actually has some really good horror star power behind it. It's by director uh, Steve Miner, uh, who basically took the, uh, was probably most famous for first taking Friday the 13th. He did part two, direct part two and three, which really takes it from a murder mystery to like uh, a, sl a slasher classic kind of movie uh, moving forward. But he also directed uh, two other really fucking great horror uh, classics, House, of course, which is a fucking great movie, and Halloween H2O, one of the stronger in the later franchise years i feel so except, i mean still not amazing but yeah it does have the weirdest halloween mask i don't like how michael myers looks in that film uh at all i also love that era in the slasher films because it's like hey you know what it needs to get the kids back into murder rappers yes yes they do need <laughs> rappers that is true uh other things steve minor i didn't know this about steve minor he also directed a very large bulk of the wonder years series so uh shout out steve minor he knows weird he's no yeah that's a weird like out of all the things he's done he's like oh yeah i also worked on the wonder years for years so uh <laughs> this is i do love that julian sands i feel like he's kind of horror ro royalty to me in some ways because he has done so many kind of classic pieces whether they were big blockbusters or not i mean obviously we have warlock um 
Arachnophobia, which we've now done on the podcast. I also really liked him in the miniseries uh, Rose Red. I always thought it was really fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um, I I need to go revisit Rose Red because I barely fucking remember that at this point. Except I I remember it from a Stephen King standpoint as the Dark Tower. Uh, uh, it's Dark Tower ties because the main bad guy is basically the Man in Black and Randall Flag all rolled into one. They're all the same kind of person, that evil entity uh, that shows up in uh, Rose Red. Or maybe I'm thinking of Storm of the Century. Maybe that's what you're I'm thinking, thinking of Storm of, of the you're Century, right. which Sorry. again is actually really good. The Rose Red is more like the shine in the sense of you've got like a, a building that kind of has a mind of its own um okay. hey sp- takes- speaking of the shining did you hear the new shining news that just came out no so they are rebooting the shining one more time because you listen every 20 years you got to do it okay but i kind of am intrigued you know who they have already handpicked as jack torrance i'm intrigued by the pick Robert Pattinson. <laughs> no, no, no. I think, and I, I, I truly think this is actually a good pick. They picked Ben Stiller as the uh, as Jack Torrance. They've already announced that, which I kind of love. I like a comedy guy coming in and doing it. I mean, did you see how the guy from Wings handled the first one? Crushed it. We can all agree about that. Um, <laughs> no? You mean the series? Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mean the mini? Are you saying they're making a miniseries? I'm confused now. Well, I just, I saw that. I think it's a theatrical movie release and Ben Stiller has been cast as the Jack, as Jack Nicholson's character in it. Jack Torrance. I love other bipolar people. We're crazy. We're great at lots of things. Doesn't mean we're good at everything. You know what what they're also doing? What's that? They're, uh, They're digging up Stanley Kubrick and they're putting his body on a spindle. <laughs> Thin inside as they make another shining. So, well, uh, listen. I as far as like recent uh, Stephen King adaptations have gone as of late. Uh, there's hits and misses like in everything, right? The Dark Tower, real bad adaptation. Hated it. Wanted yeah. to fucking shoot my fucking brains out after watching it. I did. I will give it this. It was so bad, I immediately rebought the original book because I had lost it and started digging back into the Dark Tower, and it reignited my love for it, so I could erase that horrible film. But then you look at like reboots like it pretty good i give it like a solid b for like both of the it movies they're fine um and i love like the little short story ones that they did on netflix like uh was it 1492 or uh or is it 1922 the one with um uh, thomas jane where he kills his wife and throws her down the hole and then uh i didn't hate uh gerald's game i thought that was a fucking great little short story that they redid for netflix um so for every hit and miss i i, I always am excited i'm a big Stephen King universe well, fan anyway. Gerald's game was a full novel. Um and the the movie was okay. I felt like it could have been it could have been a little bit better, but it was fine. I did love Doctor Sleep. Um Doctor Sleep is, is that- good, but I like Doc Doctor Sleep but- isn't like one of those adaptations. It tries to it draws off the Doctor Sleep book a little bit, but it also tries to make the original Shining movie live okay. within it, the Kubrick film. Right. So which I actually really liked. And, and you know, it's funny that Jeremy brought up that they're doing work with Kubrick stuff because I did hear that they're also redoing 2001 um, A Space Odyssey, but it's just all about 9 11. <laughs> 
I, I got to admit, the best part of uh, the sequel... Sorry, Dave, I can't fly into those towers. Um. <laughs> the best part about the Doctor Sleep uh, sequel was that uh, they had the soundtrack done by Kiss with uh, Gene Simmons. They call me Doctor Sleep! <laughs> Doctor Sleep! Well, Jeremy, did you also know that they had starring in the music video was Bill Cosby? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot Dr. Love. Oh, God damn. That's so good. So uh, this uh, the cast, uh, of course, has the great Julian Sands. It also has uh, opposite the character Redfern, played by Richard E. Grant, who is low-key in now in 2022. He's kind of nerd royalty, right? So he, he's coming off of most one of his most recent works, which was the show Loki, where he plays old-school Loki, like old man Loki. Uh, but he's also in Star Wars episode uh, episode nine is general uh pride uh and let's not forget his most important role ever he played clifford in the movie spice world so let's not forget about uh some of the great works of richard e grant wonderful character actor uh jeremy are you big richard e grant fan um you forgot his other great works his greatest work of all hudson hawk I do, I do like a Hudson Hawk or a How to Get Ahead in Advertising is another good classico. You know, tempting one to choose as a movie because that is a fucking classic uh, to me. Uh, more than that is the fact that he is literally <laughs> the classic comic book Loki, literally from the 60s with his costume, yeah. as opposed to alligator loki yeah i do like alligator loki that was my favorite of all the loki's uh loki my favorite um now (laughs) i like when there's a bad pun that i do and ashley's like fuck you for your low-hanging fruit (laughs) i don't talk about your balls (laughs) oh i already hear a jeff hancock quote of the week right here Balls will touch the water. So uh, (laughs) it also co stars uh, aside uh, as the other protagonist, Lori Singer, probably most uh, famous from the movie Footloose. Uh, Yeah. There we go. There we go. A little bit of Footloose right there. Warlock will steal. Your your hand charm and make you old, yeah. Yeah. Now you can't dance anymore because you're going to break a goddamn hip. By the way, um, yes, I did meet Laurie Singer probably uh, 20 years after the fact. Still look better than she did in the movie. So. Oh yeah, better than the makeup version. The this the modern modern Lori Singer still looked better, huh? Aged very well uh, ten years ago. I so. remember. I think I was there for that one. Jeremy actually went up to her right after that, and he was just like, "Listen, if you did porn, I wouldn't even put you in milf porn," which is the highest compliment you could get from a Jeremy Woodworth. Is that you haven't aged that much? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Single chiller. Even though we did go to Horicon when it was still a thing here in Balmer. Oh, I miss. Anyway, uh, 
So the the movie kicks off in high gear. You get to go back to the 1700s where the warlock is uh, tied up in thumb and toe screws, which I like the combo because like the the thumb screws were a very uh, common medieval torture device is where your thumbs are stuck in there and they slowly uh, apply the pressure. But this one is like a nice rig where you not only get the thumb screws, it's also T-bone to the toes. So you're forced to stand as your fucking toes are also screwed down like that. Uh, Doesn't look like very fun. But Julian Sands, I got to be honest with you, barely looks disheveled. He was like, this is a minor inconvenience. But, well, there's a couple things. So, one, Julian Sands, though I love him, does give off the vibe of a man that has a sex swing in his apartment. So, like, he seems oh, like he's yeah. into weird. He's just like, ponytail. Bring out the walrus penis, then I'll be fi- frightened. Um. <laughs> yeah, like, that. it sounds like very much him. But also, when they describe what they're going to do to him... I got to be honest, like roasting human flesh over some pussy just sounds like a surf and turf dish at Red Lobster. <laughs> did we did we already skip over the fact the movie starts off with a basket being filled with a cat because that's yes. <laughs> ritual of burning a witch is like, yeah, got to burn it with, with a cat. Alive. Yeah, I did mention that. He was like, yeah, when we burn you in fr- on the bed of cats, I was like, what did these cats? ever do to this fucking deserve this other than be delicious chinese delicacies um important part of the ritual is they have to uh weigh her to see if she weighs the same as a duck oh that is true because you might uh, if you don't you might find out that uh (laughs) there you go it looks like one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there you go. Thank God I don't have autism because that is just so much overstimulation at one time. <laughs> so, well, uh, we did the nose and the hat, but she's a witch. She's it. She's a witch. She turned me into a newt. I, I, got, I got better. Uh, classico, uh, Monty Python. Now, uh, uh, he is able to... Uh, we also meet Redfern, who, uh, or Redfern, who, uh, played by uh, Richard E. Grant, uh, who uh, they have a little back and forth, and then he, he's able to teleport his ass out of there uh, and escape, uh, but he teleports too far, and he ends up in 1989, which is... I like that this story is almost kind of a ripoff of Terminator 1, just done in reverse. Yes. Do you guys are like it, it literally yeah. is like okay julian sands is the terminator he gets sent back to do something oh and you get one hero and that's redfred who gets it like yeah. it's a real downgrade from arnold schwarzenegger and uh and the great michael bain but uh i accept it you know it, it's fun i guess I did. I did absolutely have that thought. I also love throughout this movie, anytime we see someone fly, it's just so bad. (laughs) God, yes. The flying in this movie is so... They were like, hey, you know how like Superman flies where we already kind of perfected how people should look on camera when they fly like horizontal? They were like, nah, we're vertical flyers. We we go against tradition of trying to be aerodynamic in any way, shape perform and we just stand fly which is just it literally looks like a bad 80s video when the flying aspects come into it and i i love the special effects when he comes to 1990 because he just he's a literal tornado that sweeps through california which is mountainous they're not a they're not a fucking place where you where tornadoes even happen uh he looks like the tasmanian devil (laughs) yes Yes. Eric, you skipped over one of the most important actors in this film. I'm sorry, who's that? 
one of the magistrates who comes to uh to interrogate the uh the warlock yeah uh, and it's the guy from evil dead yeah your army of darkness darkness otherwise known as the the the, the wise one but strange one here's your here's your chainsaw yes i don't know 2012 oh r.i.p that guy r.i.p that that's why well, he hasn't I shown love- up in ash versus evil dead because i feel like he would have been a fucking layup but this is why I love the again the real quick the special effects of of the shitty flying is because the whole time I just had this stupid thought in my head watching them fly every time and I was like butterfly in the sky <laughs> I think uh t- Jeremy I don't know if I'm remembering this wrong but I thought that one of the other guys in that like witch council, the witch hunters council or whatever that goes and talks to him up in the tower. Is not one of them? The guy from Indiana Jones in the last crusade. He's like, if you are such a such, then I am Mickey mouse like that. I am pretty sure he was one of the extras in that scene too. So real star studded cast guy who whose name. I don't know that just looks like he could be a hateful Puritan from the 1700s. Uh, Hey, wouldn't that be a great way to be typecast? Just be like, what's your your thing? What are you known for? And he's like, uh, I play a great bigot. Yeah, I look like I'm very, I'm like, I'm my, mostly my character actors are people who oppress others. Yes, you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> oppressor. That's the whole, my whole vibe is just oppressor energy. <laughs> It's just setting people on fire, ripping children away from their moms, burning people alive, you know. So he comes crashing through uh, Cassandra, who's uh, played by Lori Singer's front door. She lives at a halfway house with a guy with the most halfway house owning name, Chaz. Uh <laughs> <laughs> or is it Chase or Chas? It's bad, whatever it is. But he I don't ha- know. he has a nut allergy. Right. His name just says I have a nut allergy, and I have special requests at this Panera Bread. Um. But but that is the name of of that era of being like. Do you know that this character is gay? Do you not know? Yeah. You don't know. Okay, so the name is Paz. <laughs> so uh, they come crashing through, and they're like, "No, no, no! This man dressed totally in black who came in in a literal tornado. We need to mend him up." Okay, that's what we're gonna do. And uh, they, uh, of course, he comes to the next day, and he goes in search of some answers, realizing he's gone far too far too far into the future. And that's where he gets to. Uh, meet uh sweet mary warnos jeremy what's your favorite mary warnos film uh i don't know i can't think of any off the top of my head i mean there you go who can we get to uh play um somebody that channels satan that's right <laughs> Principal Struckhart or what's her name from Rock and Roll High School. Hell yeah, Rock and Roll High School. I actually remember her most from Night of the Comet, if I'm being honest. But How about the episode of Sledgehammer where she destroys the entire city with a nuclear bomb? Yeah, that's what we were all thinking. Uh, actually, Ashley, do you even know what the show Sledgehammer is? The show? <laughs> there, yeah, that, that, that was the answer. No, Perfect. There's a shitty movie. There's a shitty movie called Sledgehammer. What? It no. starred Gabriel as the Sledgehammer. It did not. Don't listen to anything Jeremy said. I'm sorry, Ashley, cool. you were saying. 
Oh, no, I was just going to tell you, boys, that I actually did do a movie with her. After she did Night of the Comet, we did an adult film together called Night of Come On It. <laughs> Night of the Comet is the evil um, underground uh, ruler. Yeah. It's snowing. I know. It do be snowing. So uh, she uh, she's like a fake uh, uh, medium, but immediately uh, the warlock channels the devil through her. And uh, I think a pretty powerful performance and a little cameo from Mary uh, 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 right here. Yes. <laughs> Channel me now. I'm... <laughs> channel me now boys and girls i have all the answers she she does blackface right here just completely like, sorry, hold on so to channel to channel the spirits i have us put on this shoe polish on my face <laughs> i don't know why it's because there but i didn't i'm sorry call me now uh <laughs> I would love, by the way, I 100% would go to a medium that insisted to put on blackface before they could do anything. Hold on. I need to channel the spirits. And she just, <laughs> just one hand after another like this. No, but see, I'm saying I would also love that it was just a woman who's white continuing to do the Jamaican accent. And she's like, I yes. don't know why you're looking at me that way. <laughs> Come on, call me now. I see great things in your future. Also, red stripe. It's beer. Red beer. <laughs> feel, she's like, I feel something. Feel the rhythm. Feel the ride. Get on up. It's push cart time. <laughs> I see. Hold on, the spirits are talking to me once again. Ah, uh, ooh, perhaps you're thirsty for a beverage. Maybe red, red wine. And she breaks out into the full eve. Come back to me. The last thing I'm going to say that takes us off the rails. Weren't they white Canadians? Yes, yes, they were. Red, red wine makes me feel so fine. I get drunk to that in my dirt patch every July 4th. <laughs> I'm, I'm very glad that we're very woke and very um, politically correct, and, and they prefer to be called mediums and not midgets. <laughs> there we go. So, uh, yeah, she gets all scary faced up, and uh, it's the devil talking to the sweet warlock, gives him a little ultimatum, says, hey, find the pages of this book, complete the book, and uh, you can learn the name of God, speak it, and undo all of creation, which is, uh, wow, real fun task to be uh, let out into this movie. Um, and also, he says, but you'll get to be the one. He'll get to be the the, the, the head guy for the for the new world order. So, all right, he's made a pact with the, with the devil. Devil, things are, are really picking up here in the early stages of the film. You mean I will get the greatest coupon discount at the OK Corral? <laughs> All of Costco's goods are yours if you complete this task. <laughs> So uh, he goes. Uh, he goes back to Cassandra's house. By this time, Red Friend has uh, made his way there. Uh, he's uh, the. Uh, uh He's met some of the met Cassandra. They're they're friends now. Uh, but he comes in and does find Chaz and gives Chaz the kiss of death. Which I I got to be honest with you. Ever since I saw this movie, I was scared to kiss another guy. Uh, this was the only thing that did it. Uh, was getting the idea of getting your tongue ripped out with teeth. Took Tommy to break me. Okay, Ashley, you're looking at me because you know it's happened. But listen, I knew I felt more comfortable with Tommy Simbazo. 
Mm, I'm not going to say anything. I've picked on you enough today. <laughs> so, uh, by, by the way, Kevin O'Brien, uh, who is Chaz, who gets his tongue chewed out by the warlock, crossover from another uh, Steve Miner movie known as Friday the 13th Part 3 in 3D. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, he was one of the badass uh, biker guy who who uh, was killed in the barn by Jason. Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah he was I- he was the 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 worst one who has like no speaking lines because the girl has one and then the black guy has one, but not him. I don't remember him even talking in it. How many have seen it in 3D? with your 3d glasses i have i have so i have uh uh, over my shoulder i have not one but two copies of it this one that i have uh, that's like a blu-ray one i i can watch on a 3d tv but i don't have that where you can watch with the real fancy glasses but i also have a lo-fi one that you can watch with the old red and blues too and i got through about i'm gonna say maybe 35 minutes before i had a headache that made me want to vomit profusely uh 3d does not abide well with my eyes uh i can't i don't like watching 3d movies because i get like seasick for some reason of when they're on for more than about a half hour i have i have trouble second of uh of at least two or three people i've met from uh warlock uh at uh chiller obviously steve minor i met uh just a week or two ago, uh, got a Warlock poster signed that I'd been keeping in my uh, hoarddom of... Uh... <laughs> I like I like you describe it as hoarddom. And get up on that mic because you're a little bit softer than before. Wait, uh, can, can Just put can it back start? into the warehouse with the uh, Ark of the Covenant. So. Okay. <laughs> can, can we start, call- Jeremy, can we start calling you the Hordlock? <laughs> <laughs> the Hordlock. <laughs> so, uh... So, uh, Redfern uh, does meet Cassandra, and he's got a cool compass. Uh, they find a little bit of Warlock's blood on some of the glass that she threw away. And uh, wait, 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 which compass are you talking about? His his Redfern's cool compass that he has that he can put a little blood on, and then it'll point in the direction of where the Warlock is. Which compass are you talking about? Which what? Which compass? I, I don't get the bit yet, so you're going to have to explain. Wait, who's on first? Okay, got it. Um, <laughs> the but uh, as they're showing up, so do the cops. The cops go ahead and tase Sweet Redfred and take him to jail. Uh, while the while the warlock goes in, puts a curse on Cassandra that makes her age twenty years every single day, and uh, he walks out because randomly Chas just happens to have an antique that has some of the pages of the book within his house. I don't know why it's not explained. He's just like, but this this cedar chest clearly has magical runes within. And he gets some of the pages of the book in this gay man halfway house. So, well, but so that I think is like the whole trope is that they're like gay people love antiques, which is how he ends up. With. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's like, look at my ring, and it's just it's so if weird. it was more, um, I think if it was more accurate, the pages would have been hidden behind an autograph of Jane's Mansfield that he had hanging on the wall. They're like, oh, and these demonic pages behind it, like this. No, that's not accurate, Eric. They would have also been signed to Wong Fu, love Thanks. Julia. <laughs> everything Julie Newmar. Hell yeah. Okay. Um, um, oh, go ahead. Finish the joke. 
Oh, sorry. Just what I wanted to say, because we talked real quick about the curse that gets put on her. I know this movie was made by a man because what he thinks 40 looks like, because it's like, see how unattractive and useless you are at 40. Also, the idea that she was 20 before that is even funnier. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. She was 20 in Saved by the Bell years, if we're being honest. Uh (laughs) <laughs> Who wants to get foot loose with you now? <laughs> <laughs> the only time she gets foot loose now is whenever she can't take her di- her diabetes medication. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> foot loose too, starring Tommy Simbazo and his battle against <laughs> diabetes. Um, That's so- right. I totally forgot she has to take injections because for whatever reason they thought that was a useful thing to put in this movie with diabetes. <laughs> uh, Friday the 13th one with Kevin Bacon? No. But I will have somebody from Friday the 13th 3 to have his tongue chewed out. But- <laughs> so uh, the this brings us to a part now. So Redfriend uh, gets busted out of prison the next day, makes bail with uh, Cassandra's help, and uh, she's already starting to show some of the age. So they team up because, A, she is a car, big plus for uh, Redfriend, and uh, she makes it clear that she's only in it to find him and get uh, unaged. Um because there's nothing worse than a woman aging. We can all agree about that. Um, <laughs> and so we then they uh, as they're driving along, there's nice back and forth. We learn that uh, the uh, that um, she's a diabetic. We also learn that um, that uh, salt is a big weapon against the the warlock. So he hates seasoning food. Uh, that's number one. He likes he likes bland potatoes is his only diet. And if you get salt on him it's it's bad that's it um i also wanted to point out some similarities uh because i know that salt like eric just brought up salt is his mortal m and enemy uh <laughs> that is also true for eric because have you seen his high blood pressure it is if you cut me i squirt blood like fist of the fucking north star um <laughs> just from a paper cut it's like <laughs> I got so much PSI pumping through these veins, I could fucking pump back up a car tire in no time. Um, so, the thing that really works for this movie is that Richard Grant plays the the creep, uh good guy. Um, uh, uh, what do you call it, Christian guy? Whereas, like, I don't know, he's kind of he's kind of fighting with the mom from Carrie. Like, hey, you know. <laughs> No, she's really fucked up in the head. Oh, but she's the good guy. She's keeping her from killing everybody in the school. So you know. he's not wrong, Eric. I do agree with Jeremy that this pairing, I like the movie. Don't get me wrong, but this pairing feels so bizarre it is. that I don't really root for them. I'm just like, this is weird. Yeah, I, I mean, there are times where I feel like I am pulling for Julian Sands to end the world. Um, now, as they're going out to go find this fucking uh, the warlock who's on the run, uh, the warlock runs into a kid and uh, he finds out that he's unbaptized. Now, he doesn't actually kill the kid on camera because they had it in a test screening and found it to be too gruesome. Because honestly, this movie really isn't that gruesome from beginning to end. There's like the tongue rip scene and the end kill scene that we'll get to but in between a lot of it is all just implied horror uh which is fine 
Um, but this scene in particular actually inspired a very real true crime uh, portion of the movie because uh, Julian Sands kills this kid so that he can burn his fat and uh, use that drink it to um, have the ability to fly, which if that was true, everyone that went to Wendy's would be supermen at this point. And I got to be honest with you, all I got was uh, uh, like words from my doctor that you need to cut it out. But in 1995, in 1995, in Saskatchewan, Canada, a teenager named Sandy Charles and an unnamed eight-year-old accomplice murdered a seven-year-old boy, cut strips of his flesh from his body, boiled it, and drank it in hopes that, as in the film, it would give them the ability to fly. Charles was found not guilty by reason of insanity, but was sentenced to stay in a high school uh, in a high security regional psychiatric center in uh, Skatoon, uh, where he has primary primarily resided since shortly after the murder occurred. You so, know, I can't think of anything sicker than somebody wanting to make a song about this murderer. Well, we'll get to your song, Ashley. Sorry, go. No, it's okay. I. It just feels like a weird time to bring up that Eric used to have a son. <laughs> and now qr kelly's i believe i can fly i float out of the screen and the show is now over i believe i can so um uh jeremy uh inspired by true life events has provided us with this wonderful little song here here's a little bit of uh look look at sandy fly by jeremy woodworth want to fly but who knows really how to one day he saw a film that he got on VHS yeah and now he knows the secrets that will put him there he loved it so Jeremy, another amazing work of art that you had there. I uh, it's all good. Say that again, Jeremy. Sorry, you got to get up on your mic because you were super hot at the beginning of the show, and now you're not. I don't know why. Rest at the end, it's all good. Okay, it is all good. I like it. I, yeah. Okay, that was an awkward ending to it. I'm sorry, guys. All right, so listen, um, Jeremy, again, musical genius. Love him to death. Um, really to shout out Sandy Charles. Really hard to find a beat for that song. I really hard, worked hard on that beat. I could see it. I, I noticed the work that was put in. Uh, you, you're, you're a curator of imagination. 
really needed the chippa chippa choo <laughs> I like the lighthearted, fun feelings of murder. It was great. Yes. So I, I was really, I was really inspired by, uh, and and she's she was by uh, Talking Heads about a woman that flies naked in the air, and he's also from Balmer, you know. Also from Balmer. So. Uh, <laughs> the the warlock can now fly though after he drinks this kid's fat um and not fly good he flies standing straight up and it looks really fucking horrible uh it's not a good special effect so uh the of course redfern uh and cassandra run into this and he's like excuse me i know this is rather personal but your dead son that died five minutes ago was he baptized <laughs> she's like no he wasn't <laughs> No, no, he wasn't. Why are you asking? I'm a trailer park trash whore. Leave me alone. And then he immediately goes to Cassandra. He's like, the warlock can fly now. <laughs> it's such a fucking dumb scene. He wouldn't let me baptize him. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they uh, the compass then leads them to a farm, uh, which is funny. Is like, oh, it's pointing to this giant pentagram that's drawn on this barn. Maybe do you think this could be it? Do you think this is the place? Which I also love that because when he meets the old farmer, he's like Amish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Immediately he's like, you're you're um, did Amish people exist? No, they were just regular people in 1700. That's just how they lived. Which but I also love he's like, no, Mennonite. Yeah. It's <laughs> so funny to me. It's just cuz I a lot of people I mean I try not to share too much like personal information with the audience. Um but some of you guys may know that like technically I come sort of from like the Pennsylvania Dutch communities and areas. And uh, yeah, you know, at, at no point, you know, when dealing with witchcraft or the devil, have I ever been like, you know, whose help we need to recruit those fucking Mennonites? Yes, yes, yes. The, the, the Mennonites who I don't use technology except for an electric razor and maybe a plow. That's uh, it basically just means I dress like Amish, but I will. I don't watch TV. So uh. Mennonite. Is like Amish light. Mm-hmm. Is how I is how I kind of view it. But I love that also the signs. The signs of how you know he's near is like your milk goes bad, and I'm like, could it just be that you know you haven't been drinking enough of the milk and you need to I don't know go get some new milk. So it's like the milk curdles. And then what was the other thing, Eric? I couldn't remember. There was uh, one other. It was smoke, I think. It was uh, it was like fire that is produced. And, and, then... and then he's like, when your horse gets sweaty. And I'm like, maybe your horse needs to go to rehab. <laughs> your, your horse hasn't had enough fentanyl, which is actually appropriate for a horse to have. So uh, <laughs> the. If you're driving down a long highway. And you see a barn with a giant pentagram painted on it. Like, wait, wait, there might be a Venom concert here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, the uh, or, maybe, or maybe Motley Crue. I, I think the funniest part of it is, uh, do you ever think that, like, you know, Mennonites and Amish people, you know, they probably intermingle from time to time, right? You know, they're not totally recluse. Do you ever think, like, when a Mennonite meets, like, an Amish chick and he has, like, the pickup line, hey, he's like, hey, you know, once you go Mennonite, you'll still be tight. Um, <laughs> this is, <laughs> that's a, a Rob Mayer yeah. for the, uh, 
the Mennonite community. Yes, I that's like that. when Rob Mayer does Pennsylvania. That's his biggest punchline he has. He does. He's, once you go Mennonite, you'll still be tight. They book, they book him for Mennonite, which is ladies' night, but just with Mennonites. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought Amish. I thought. Uh, I, I thought. Uh, Amish were the were the little pieces of rock that all that like come up from the ground in a cave when Mennonites are the ones that come from the top. Uh, so I it took this movie to teach me the right way how it works. Um, <laughs> that's it. That's the end of the joke. I, I think they're stalactites. By the way, the Menons, Mennonites are the uh, the uh, the light version of the Jehovah's Witnesses, much like the Seventh Day Adventists. Oh, okay. Shout outs, Prince. So uh, I also I also like sorry Mennonites versus the Deadites. Oh, yes. so uh, we learn that uh, that uh, we also still know that the warlock hates salt, so he also hates Chinese food. And uh, there's a confrontation between Redfin uh, with his new Mennonite friend and the warlock up in the attic of this goddamn barn. Um, he immediately shows his new fire powers off and uh, shoots him out as he takes a fucking hard spill out of the third floor of the fucking farmhouse. And um, the fight. You forgot an important part about this is that he asked for some copper pennies to be put in your mouth, and he's like, oh, jeez, these modern pennies aren't even copper anymore. They're more zinc. Yeah, and yeah. that That is such a dumb additive, is like the actors have to hold pennies in their mouth. Like, it almost feels like a punked prank at this point. They're like, it, like, like Steve Miner was just like, yeah, yeah, we're going to put pennies in their mouth, and they're going to have to fucking act. <laughs> like, that's like he's uncontrollably laughing. Also, you have to put some some copper some copper socks on, and they'll help your health as well. <laughs> that is very very funny. Some copper fit. <laughs> so now they have pennies in their mouth as a cruel joke from uh, all the people that are working on the film uh, and watching watching uh, Cassandra try to act while holding pennies in her mouth is probably my favorite thing in this movie. Ashley, full of sandwich. Go. No, it's um they're they're those pretzel nuggets with peanut butter and shide. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, so look, I think it's weird with the whole pennies in the mouth thing because like I don't know, sometimes Eric has pennies in his mouth, but that only happens like every twenty eight days. <laughs> Are you just saying I got the herp? God damn. Ooh, what? I I call them warm no. sores. Periods uh, taste like pennies. Oh, okay. Wow. I thought that was herpes this whole time. Wow. My wife has been lying to me this whole time. <laughs> That's why she doesn't like to fuck with the lights on, and I come in looking like Jeremy after a clown rape. Um, the- <laughs> Another thing that must be mentioned with the uh, the idea of... Um, okay, I just forgot. No. I don't know. Why are you so quiet, though, Jeremy? It's really it's bothering me. We sound checked before, and you just sound quiet as fuck, and I don't understand why. Why is that? I think it has to do with, like, you level check at a level where you're loud, and then for the rest of the show, you're like, hey, this is me, Jeremy, and I just wanted to say that I can do that. Better? Is that better? Not really. I don't know why you're so low, but it's fun. So, look, uh, he then, uh, this this... 
confrontation spills out into the uh, yard where he knocks off the weather vane, which becomes the new weapon of choice is this fucking weather vane, which I don't believe that uh, Richard E. Grant could even throw this like he does, but he fucking javelins the fuck out of the warlock and brings him down to the ground. And as they're trying to nail his hands and feet to the fucking floor here and uh, bind him again, they, uh, he, he fucking hypnotizes the Mennonite who is the only other one that knows about witchcraft. You understand? He's the only other one. And he immediately is just like, Reverend is like, yeah, you could be a big help. He, he He's not. He's the worst person that you could possibly have in this situation because he immediately gets fucking uh, bedazzled. Uh, to the point where he fucking uh, starts bleeding from his eyes. And Redfriend, who seems to be driven by this this need to kill the warlock because he killed his sweet wife, he's just like, oh, the warlock's getting away. Let's send this bitch who's 90 years old now to go follow him and track him down because I need to stay and save this guy's life. I don't like the motivational points here. Yes, Ashley. I was just going to say that the same thing happens to all of my dates when I take off my clothes. <laughs> Sorry, um, I, I, I need to stay here and look at Sean Savoy's stand up for the rest of the night. <laughs> uh, I really like how uh, this uh, Lord of Illusions stole from this movie with the, uh, the fe- special face mask. To, uh, to keep the guy who, who's from uh, Seinfeld in the cult. Um, from his magical powers. Okay, Lord a lot to unpack in that one sentence of references that nobody knows what you're talking about. You, you, Lord of Illusions, Clive Barker, who's the Seinfeld person? I'm not sure. We're trying also, to figure it out just like you, listeners. Also the devil from uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Okay, but, never mind. It makes perfect sense now. So um, the... <laughs> The she goes out to go find the uh to go track down the warlock and she gives a she's like you need a hammer and nails if you find his footprints you can you can cripple him which is like why haven't we been doing this the whole movie of like where he where he walks at like we could just be nailing nails into the dirt and hurting him constantly when you only saw one set of footprints it's because I was nailing your shed. <laughs> So uh, Cassandra's eventually able to track him down at a little uh, train station. And uh, she actually finds a place where his head hit the dirt at one point, and she whacks that, and it makes him scream out in pain. She finds him in the box truck, but her 90-year-old ass can't run at five miles per hour. So it's just, I like the exciting scene of watching uh, Lori Singer pretend to run like she's 90 years old which is just like not that it's not very convincing and the train's not moving fast it's like the opposite of the movie speed it was like it's like if they made a movie called slow that's what this scene is and it's it's painful to watch at times i was waiting for her to drop like a whole set of dumbbells on herself (laughs) i i think the uh the movie could have been made better with a walker (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. But she is able to get up just close enough to the warlock because she needs the little uh, bracelet back so that she can undo the curse on her. And, uh, of course, the warlock grabs her. He's like, you can't have this. Blah! But uh, And he goes off, but she, he does drop the little fucking bracelet and she gets it back. And the curse is broken and she's young and beautiful, uh, 36, 20-year-old again, which is really, it's a, it's a moving part of the film for sure. She can get footloose again. Yes, she could finally get footloose again. So uh, there's a little bit of talk between Redfriend and uh, Cassandra because Cassandra has nothing invested now. She's like, I'm young. I'm ready to go try out to be on Saved by the Bell. I just turned 37. That's usually the minimum age that they'll take you in to work on a show like that. So uh, I'm done here. But she's just like, he's like, oh, Listen, little thing. He's trying to get that book, saw the pages up there. Guess what? He finds all of them. It's kind of the end of the world if he speaks the name of God backwards. So, like, if you could help me out. And she's like, all right, I'll fucking, I will, for you, this man from the past who I barely know, I will commit credit card fraud to get you on a plane to Boston tonight. Which... I was waiting the whole movie. My biggest disappointment is I was waiting the whole climax of this movie for Julian Sands to be like, I am going to yell out the name of God. And I'm like, oh, my God. And he just yells out dog. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ironic. So uh, they do. uh, By the way, I got to bring back uh, one of my favorite references by billy milano from the band sod in uh, uh 1988 he came out with the live version of sod live at budokan and in in the video he he takes an sod cd uh, cd and breaks it up and he's like oh look but the but the liner notes they didn't get destroyed because they were made by satan <laughs> That is true. Satan, say what you will about him, makes great product. So, uh, big fan. Big. So, uh, now, uh, now that they're on the same page, Cassandra's very scared. She actually sees uh, Julian Sands, uh, Warlock, at the airport. It doesn't tell Redfern because he knows, like, that motherfucker ready to throw down in an airport. And it is fun to watch them go through customs. It's like, listen, we need to baggage check this whip and all of your knives. And he's like, I will not do without my weather vane, though. And I was just like, it's my last protection. And I was just like, I love the idea of just, like, we lived in a freer time where you could just bring a javelin shape weather vane on a plane as your carry-on luggage and i i just miss those times more than anything yeah Notice this weather vane has some blood on it i don't know if we're gonna let this on united it's <laughs> i'm actually i'm actually a smuckers representative this is my stirring rod for the vats uh <laughs> well, that's okay if you're into smuckers you can get on any flight you want <laughs> Actually, in 2022, as long as you fly Alaskan, even you might even get to pilot the plane. <laughs> hey, Karen Black learned how to fly on the fly. So we get to the uh, we get to the exciting climax of this film where they go to this last church in Boston where the rest of the book resides. Uh, they uh, immediately try to uh, 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 fucking 
plead with this preacher who's not very helpful uh but sure enough the warlock shows up they find out that the last remaining pages are probably in this graveyard and there's a whole like oh they actually moved this graveyard but only the headstones of the bodies are still over here it's a nice little uh poltergeist-esque little wrinkle that they put into it right there but indeed they do find the last pages but so does the warlock he's there to get them and he gets a hold of them before our sweet uh protagonists can which brings us to this uh, the probably the most bizarre part of this movie where it's just like redford the warlock has the, the redford has the last pages he's like i'll fight you for him he's like what only if you put down that salty whip and he's like only if you put down all that magic that you can do at the drop of a hat whenever you fucking decide to and they have a good old-fashioned fisticuffs fist fight which in all honesty if we watched these two british men actually fight it would be the equivalent of watching two people slap each other with like hardened noodles like like if you gave both of them like pool noodles that's the brutalist fight that these two sassies would ever have in their life it's yes. like uh, Napoleon Dynamite versus his brother. Yes, it, yeah. exactly. It, that's what it's like watching. They're like, no, you don't use magic. No, you don't use a weather fane. <laughs> I have to point out that of the, what are we going on? Let's see. I have been on this podcast for just about two years at this point. Yeah, roughly. Yeah, 2020-ish. Yep. Yep. And I got to tell you, you two pick the gayest movies, which is so funny. <laughs> because the gayest thing I think Eric has ever, and it's all been this year, which is even funnier. It just tells me you guys are just like, oh, we're so close to YouTube's coming out. But this year, Eric had us do Brotherhood of the Wolf, which was gay. So there was that. Listen, and you're, just mis- you're mistaking French with gay, and that's kind of racist, Pontius. Eric, I'm happy. Eric, I'm half French, you fucking idiot. I, I am gay. Well, listen, it's like the it's like the self-hating Jew thing. That's I think that's what it is. Okay. Brotherhood of the oh. Wolf is a good movie. It's gay as shit, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> it's the gayest fucking movie. And I've watched Brokeback Mountain. All right. It's the gayest. <laughs> Eric, I have seen Mi- Dallas Million Dollars Buyers Club or whatever. That is <laughs> Okay, I've watched Boys Don't Cry, Eric. This is you picked the gayest movie. <laughs> I didn't pick Warlock. This was a Jeremy Woodworth production. This is the gay movie, but I'm saying yours is gayer. More manly than us. Yeah, we're, we're just trying to get that manly. And there's nothing more manly than actually having sex with another man. I mean, come on, let's be honest. Uh, no. One step further to brothers being gay together. That's love. Um, love you, Jeremy. By, by, um, the way, by the way, um, to to uh, point out the plot point that the priest finds that um, the 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 pages are found in the backyard of uh, Mark Wahlberg, but uh, also <laughs> the important part is the uh, the wife of the uh, pastor priest guy, otherwise known as Anna Levine, also from Unforgiven. And uh, my other favorite movie, um, um, True Romance, flirts with um, Christian Slater at the beginning of the movie. So, also in on an HBO show called Hardcore TV, where she did Cindy's regular sex chat, sex talk. Um, 
Anyway, she's... You're just an encyclopedia of useless knowledge, and I love that about you, Jeremy. Um, if it was on MTV in the 80s, Jeremy knew about it, and I can't thank you enough for that. Um, <laughs> so we get uh, we get out... Uh, the warlock eventually also cheats in this thing and starts using magic. He gets a hold of the last pages and can finally read the name of God right before him, and all he has to do is say it backwards, and we're going to do undo all creation which is fun but just in the nick of time our sweet diabetic lady comes over cassandra she filled her fucking syringes full of salt water straight from the boston sea there and goes and shoves it into the the warlock's neck and what is the coolest special effect of this movie is watching the warlock die his fucking face melts off and then he levitates and the flying finally actually looks real and cool for a second as he uh, uh collapses into a giant heap and amazingly he doesn't actually die from the salt it's just the waters from the boston harbor yeah so there's like there's actually no salt in it they're like this is just shoot this is just so polluted from all the urine and the crap <laughs> now one thing and i i pulled this up because you hear quality time we're obsessed with being two things accurate and research driven and <laughs> and so jeremy i pulled this ashley i think you'll enjoy this i pulled out actually a uh, a deleted scene from the movie um okay. where because you know though he doesn't actually get a chance to read the the name of god backwards so uh i was able to pull this audio this was a deleted scene didn't make the real movie but this is actually as he's opening up the book and he sees the name of god presented before him here you go i'm gonna play it for you right now so we can hear what the name of god is the fate of the planet may hang in the balance. <laughs> Almost there. My fingers flew. My mind was a steel trap. Every pore vibrated. It was almost clear. Yes, 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 yes. Be sure to drink your Ovaltine. Ovaltine? A crummy commercial? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That was the deleted scene. I thought they should have left that in. I felt it added more to the ambiance of the film, personally. I love that. Thank you, Eric, for sharing that. Thank you, guys. That was, that was it. After that, the the scene with Flick um, talking about Corey Feldman doing drugs. <laughs> yes, that is true. Um, but uh, the warlock has been defeated. Uh, Cassandra and uh, Redfern start to have a little bit of back and forth, like there could be a love thing. But he gets sucked back into the past. She's left alone. Ends up burying the book in the uh, the salt flats, which is a really difficult place for a warlock to get his hands on it. Um, and that brings us to an end of Warlock Ashley. Um, I just wanted to say, liked the movie, really enjoyed it. Um, if you think about it, the way he left her, because I know like feelings were starting to develop. Technically, uh, she got ghosted. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Jeremy, what are your final thoughts on Warlock, uh, nineteen eighty nine? Put it in my top button. five of uh, Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, soundtracks which i talked to the uh, director steve Miner, and uh just him working with with mr mr star trek himself and and he got an award for uh planet of the apes but uh 
you know, he, he's second only to John Williams to me uh, between the Alien soundtrack and, and one of the greatest composers of music of next to Star Wars, and um, I'm getting for Clint. Yeah, um, you're thinking of John Williams, I think, there, of Star Wars. But yeah, no, uh, a little bit of the Warlock theme right here by Jerry. Uh, no, he's he's got a great career, and this one, uh, it's slept on. This is, a, this is a good fucking score that he added to it. I, uh, you know, I love Warlock. It has uh, some personal ties to me. This was one of those movies that used to always come on HBO, so I, I probably watched Warlock as a child a, a dozen times with my, my dear friend and former guest on the show, Sean Laskowitz, over the years of my childhood. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of fucking Warlock, man, and I'm glad we got to bring it here today. Um, Ashley, where can people find you at, love? You can always find me online at Ashley Pontius Laughs, and if I have my timeline right, you can catch me April 7th. I'll be in Delaware featuring for Alan Massenburg. Whoa. And then the April- Alan Massenburg? Fuck yeah. I like Alan. He's very funny. Um, and then April the 8th, you can catch me at Charm City Meadworks performing there. Um, you can catch all things Eric Comedy at ericcomedy.com. It's Eric with a K, comedy with a C. Um, I got some things coming up, um, but you know, I'm not even going to mention them because I'm not exactly sure when this show comes out, and I can't do math. Jeremy, take us the fuck out of here, pal. Dave Shofar, yay, I know thee! want to fly but who knows really how to one day he saw a film that he got on VHS yeah and now he knows the secrets that will put him there he loved it so Yes.